I'd like to start us off with a uh, quiz. So you have to participate, right? Ready? For those of you who are online, uh, those of you on Facebook Live, you can chime in right there and go and give your answers too. So this quiz, it's a biblical quiz. So here's the first question. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, how many commandments were on the tablets? Ten. Good, good. We're off to a great start. Just want to make sure you're all with me. This one's a little harder. So those online, everybody, here we go. So how many years ago did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? How many years ago? Long time. I'm gonna let, it's, you're going to have to guess a range a little bit on this one. So give me, give me one. Give me one answer. 3,000 3, is really close. 3,000 is really close. At least 3,000. So, so let's say about 3,500 years ago, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So think about how much the world changes today in just one month. And we got these 3,500 years ago. So here's the last question. Do you still think after 3,500 years, 1,500 B.C., that all the commandments are still important today? Good, good. That's a good answer. Do we all live like the Ten Commandments are still important today? We try. You know, as an interesting survey, I want to show you over time, things change. But God of the Bible does not. So here's a survey I want to share with you that was out just a few years ago about, here's a question they asked. It might be hard to read, so I'm going to share it with you. Regardless of whether religious or not, which of the Ten Commandments from the Bible do you believe are still important principles to live by? That was a question. So this goes down, it ranked them in kind of descending order, not by... But the one they felt most important, 94, now this is just America, this is just the United States. Thou shall not murder was still about 94% agree in America that it's still wrong to kill somebody. Um, and as you go through, you know what's cool about most of these are in a 90 or 80 percentile range, which is encouraging. But let me get way to the bottom. The, the two on the bottom that people in America think are not really important today. Second from the bottom, 59% of the people in America believe you should not use the Lord's name in vain. 59%, so just a little over half. So almost one out of two people believe that taking the Lord's name in vain is, is not really a big deal anymore. The bottom one, 49% of Americans believe that the Sabbath is not really that big of a deal anymore. So one out of two people believe what you're doing right here and worshiping together, resting on Sunday, is not really that important. What's interesting, when I looked at the same chart in the United Kingdom, Europe, 23%. In the United Kingdom, these are the, the bottom two are the third and fourth commandments. In the United Kingdom, almost it lined up the same way, but... In Europe, only 23% believed you don't take the Lord's name in vain, and only 19% of the people in Europe believe the Sabbath is holy. They were at the bottom of their list also, but dramatically different than here. So for those of us who look at the third and fourth commandments to say 59% and 49% is pretty good compared to Europe, <laughs> that's not good. Because what happens is when we see these low numbers is they're not really 10 commandments, they're really 10 suggestions. 
in the least two, the least important, third and fourth, it just so happens those are the ones we're covering today. So I want to welcome everybody. We're glad you're here. I see several new faces to our guests. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. To those online, thanks for joining us. It's nice having a big family that can stretch. Uh, we're, you know, we were running about 100 people online not too long ago. We're running about 50 now, and, and we miss the people. But if you're also a guest, just checking us out, say we're glad you're with us. To our guests, uh, this worship guide that Emma talked about, our worship leader, there are these sermon notes on the back. It's an outline of the third and fourth commandments that we're in a series called Laws and life as we go through the eight weeks of the Ten Commandments and instead of a list of just a bunch of don'ts we're talking about these are actually a list of do and it's amazing how big these commandments are in our life versus relegated to just a bunch of don'ts last week was the first week that we went through the Ten Commandments um, and then we went over how we worship and who we worship who he worships, number one, and how he worships, number two. They're really strongly connected. If you miss those, go back to our YouTube channel, go back to our website, go back to our Facebook page. You can watch those. It's really cool to get caught up with where we're at today. So before um, we talk about the third and fourth commandments, before we do and jump into that, I think it's really important we talk about another topic. So I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's where the third and fourth commandments are, but I'm going to be on a few other scriptures first. But if you stick your finger in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's the fifth book inside your, your Bible, and we'll pick up the third and fourth commandment there. But let me talk about some other things first, because this is really important to lay groundwork here. Uh, what's important is we need to understand God's presence and his name before we ever talk about three and four. So let's look at our first sermon note together on the back of your worship guides. The presence of God is perfectly holy. The presence of God is perfectly holy. His name is perfectly holy. So let's explain what this means because we want to really set a good foundation about God's name and his presence. When you go to the Bible and you go way back to Genesis and God creates the first humans, Adam and Eve, God dwells with them in the garden. He lives with them in the garden. God's presence is with them in the garden because there is no sin. Everything is perfect. But then one day, man decides that I want to be like God or my way is better and the first sin enters into the garden of Eden. And because man no longer is clean or no longer is sinless, but God yet is still holy and perfect, that sin cannot be in God's presence. So Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. God is holy and perfect. He cannot be around sin. He cannot have his character tainted by sin. But God did not leave them there. From day one, he was dressing them. Day one, he was pursuing a plan that his presence would always be with his people. And so we flash over to the book of Exodus. We have God rescuing the Hebrew people out of Egypt moving them through the desert to the promised land, this postage stamp that we know today as Israel. He's moving them there that the whole world will know God through these special people. And as he's moving them through the desert, there's this moment on the mountain with Moses. He gives them the Ten Commandments because if you are to be my holy people, this is how you need to live. But God also gives them, at the moment he gives them the Ten Commandments, he gives them his presence. He does this by giving them very exact instructions about how they are to house and carry the presence of God. And so here's a picture. The Ark of the Covenant. 
The Ark of the Covenant from this movie shot is God tells them, I am going to put my presence inside this Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is that box on poles you see there. It always walked in front of the Israelite people as they went through the desert. This box is made of acacia wood. It's four foot by two foot by two foot. It is laid with gold on the outside and on the inside. It has golden rings, four of them, two on each side, so that these acacia poles can run through the rings so these people can carry that. So they can actually carry the presence of God wherever they go. God says, I will not abandon you. Not only does God's presence inside there, somehow we see that his glory is there, that they know it's his presence, and they're really excited about having the God of the Israelites with them. But they also put in the Ark of the Covenant the Ten Commandments. That's how important they are. They're all in that box. And there's very specific instructions. As they're going through the desert and God's presence is carried, whenever they stop at a moment in an area in the desert, they would build this tabernacle and tent all around it. This, this Ark of the Covenant would go into the most holy place inside this tent construction. And strict rules about how you approach it because it is still God's presence, holy, perfect. And we are still sinful man. So let me give you, there's a lot of scripture as the ark moved around the Old Testament and so forth. Let me give you a scripture here out of 1 Chronicles 15 that shows you how important it is how they carried the presence of God. So starting in, in 1 Chronicles 15, verse 11. It said, Then King David summoned the priests. He said to them, You are the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourselves and all your fellow Levites so you can bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord our God burst out against us, for we failed to ask God how to move his presence properly. So the priests and the Levites purified themselves in order to carry and bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. And then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles just as the Lord had instructed Moses. So they're carrying it just like that picture. So there we see a glimpse of how important it was that the Israelite people carried the presence of God. It could only be carried by the Levitical order, the Levites, the clan of people that were the priests. Priests were intercessors between people and God. So only the priests could carry those poles. And the reason why they carried those poles on their shoulders because they could not touch the ark. They could not touch the very thing that contained the holy presence of God. What happened if they touched the ark? Let me take you to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, 6 and 7. Then David led them to Baalah of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name, the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. And the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. Susa died right there beside the Ark of the God. God's holy presence is that holy. Sin cannot. If you touched it, you did it with the price of your life. If you did anything wrong in a tent of tabernacle, 
it would cost you your very life. As Israelites traveled to the promi- at, towards the promised land, through the desert, they carried God's presence with them in the Ark of the Covenant. Then one day Joshua leads them out into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Solomon builds a temple, and in that temple they place the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, the center place a big veil that separated God's presence in the ark with the Ten Commandments. And so holy was he still there inside the temple. This is where all people could come, sacrifice, all people could come to the presence of God. But if that priest did one thing wrong, inside that Holy of Holies, it would cost him his life. Can you see how big the presence of God and his name and his holiness is? A holy and perfect God made his presence, never left his people. So when you ask the question, well, outside of watching Indiana Jones, the temple, you know, whatever movie it was, was it Temple of Doom? In the Ark of the Covenant, anyway. How come we don't have the Ark of the Covenant in the temple today? How come God's presence isn't still in that Ark and it's still not in a temple in Jerusalem today? Because God had a better plan for his presence and his people. So look at our second sermon note together. Jesus changed how we carry God. Jesus changed how we carry God. So let's go back. Sin is what separates us. No matter how many times we cleanse, ask forgiveness, go through the ritual, sin separates us from a holy and perfect God. So rituals of sacrifice and cleansing were necessary over and over. They lasted about as long as our next sin, and then we were back to that same place. God desired that humanity be fully restored to him. But it would take a perfect sacrifice. It would take a perfect and sinless man to pay the price of sin for each of us. Jesus is that perfect man, and he is the perfect God. God on earth God paid the price for sin through his son and the death of his son on the cross. And at that moment when Jesus died on the cross for the price of the sin that separates you and I from the presence of God, that temple curtain tore top to bottom, meaning it had to come from God's hand, top to bottom, signifying no longer am I separated from my people. Jesus was our high priest who interceded for us in God. And this is beautifully described in Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says, And so, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, who died on a cross, rose and ascended to the Father, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. He was perfect. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. Look what he did. We can approach God's throne without getting zapped. We can approach the very presence of God again. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice who made us clean once and for all, We can now approach God. No special conditions. No more priests going in between. No more ark. No more touch you die. But even better than that, John 14, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. You see the commandments woven in there? My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. 
not only because of what Jesus did can we approach the God of heaven, he now lives in those who believe in him through his son. God's presence isn't just up close. God's presence because of Jesus is now in those who believe. The holy and perfect God dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. Can you see how big this is? Every day we carry, for those who believe in God through the actions of Jesus on the cross, every day in, in his resurrection, every day we carry his presence. You and I carry his presence for all to see. And what is our hope? Our hope, this started in the garden when man got separated from God and God pursued them and through his son. And now all we're waiting for his son to come back because we will be back in the garden with him fully in his presence one day. And that is the hope of every Christian. Garden to garden is our journey. We are about halfway through the sermon. I haven't even talked about the third and fourth commandment. But this is important. So let's talk about the third and fourth commandments. For they are both about, we're doing them together, for they are both about how we carry the presence of God. So start with the third. Those who've been waiting with your finger on Deuteronomy 5, zip down to verse 11. The third commandment is right there. Deuteronomy 5.11, the third commandment, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Like I said, about the only, I'm not being mean to our King James people, but these are the times that we quote King James. Do not take the Lord's name in vain is probably the way you learn this. What does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, we know everything we talked about, God's name and his presence are holy. They're perfect. So holy is God's name that the Israelites in the, in the Old Testament, when we're reading about the Israelites, they would not pronounce his Hebrew name Yahweh. They would not pronounce it in a conversation. It's so holy. They would substitute Yahweh with Adonai, or they would substitute Yahweh with Elohim. They would use a different name. So when you open your English Bible in the Old Testament, you're looking at the original Hebrew language, you do not read Yahweh, you read the word that got translated from Adonai. You read the Lord. Every time you read the Lord, you're looking at a very, of a very holy name. This is so cool. This commandment, the third commandment, is so much more than what we were taught as children that don't use God's name as a swear word. That's probably the way we learn this. Do not use the Lord's name in vain means do not use his name as a swear word. But that is so small and limited. And you know, we would talk about what this is about, these commandments are about do, not necessarily don't. So look at our third sermon note together. The third law, the third commandment, God's name is not empty or worthless. That's what this means. Do not use God's name as empty or worthless. We carry God in our speech. We carry God in our conversations. We should only use God's holy and perfect name in ways that glorify and honor him because we are speaking of his presence. We're showing his presence in us. So yeah, don't swear. 
using God's name. Don't JD or JC. I tell you guys, I can listen to a lot of foul words and I've used a lot in my life, but those two will drive me out of the room because they hurt. They hurt that we would use the holy God's name. I gotta walk out of room because I just not, I don't get angry. I just get nauseated that this person does not know him like I know him. And I used up all my bad words in my younger days. That's why I don't say them as much anymore. But not only swear, let's, let's be careful about oath. When we say, I swear to God, when I just say that I swear to God, when I make an oath, I really don't have God involved in this. I'm using it as empty and worthless. What about this reaction? Praise the Lord. But I'm not really going to praise the Lord. I'm not really going to use that. I just say it as a reaction. Is that empty and worthless? Or do I really dance and sing and praise the Lord for what I just saw? But let me bring that to today. Today we communicate by texting. And one of the most popular ways we text is this. OMG. You know, texting is just short, shorthand. It's just a quick way of communicating. OMG, you Google it. Anybody who reads that knows it means, oh my God. It is normally a reaction to something stunning. Oh my God. So is this right? I texted once. Do you know today, like this year is the 25th anniversary of the first time we texted? That's how long texting's been going on. So I can even speak to this. I texted once, OMG, because I thought, you know, I know what it meant, but I'm saying it, it's oh my goodness. I just texted oh my goodness. About the minute I launched it, and I texted out and shot it out, and I looked at it, whoa! <laughs> it hit me. It hit me like that. I felt terrible. I felt terrible because the person on the other end wasn't reading oh my goodness. They're reading oh my God. And I just said something that was empty and worthless by using his name. I didn't really mean oh my God. I wasn't praising him. I wasn't praying out to him. So, Pastor Brian, you tell me I can't do OMG. I'm, I'm saying anytime we use God's name, examine our heart and are we using it as a way that's worthless or empty? And stop. Because it is holy. It is amazing. Note to self, don't lean on monitor. that would have been fun <laughs> that might have got a lot of OMGs out of the group and then we would have been in real trouble <laughs> so how important is God's name in our speech and how we carry him well let's talk let's look at what Jesus said Jesus said when he gave us the Lord's prayer another time we use King James Version in Matthew 6 9 Jesus taught us how to pray. This was not pray this. It was use this model. Use this model. The very first thing that Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, 9, when you pray, is pray this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The old version was, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First thing that Jesus says when we pray, when we pray to God our Father, we say, may your name be kept holy. Now what this does not mean is like, Father, I'm starting my prayer with this. May your name be kept holy. Good luck out there. No, may your name be holy by what I do, by how I speak, by how I live. May my life today proclaim your name as holy. May I just saturate myself in prayer first with you, adore you, love you. Your name is bigger than anything. 
You're my king, you're my savior, you're my lover of my soul. Holy be your name. Always start your third sermon note. Begin prayer all the time by honoring God's name. I shared in the first service, we, we have all the evangelical pastors get together twice a month. We pray for you guys, for the community. It's a beautiful setting. And I remember one time we started out prayer. We were in there for an hour and we just go to it. We don't talk about soup dinners or anything. We just pray. And somebody started out and they went right to our needs and, and we got stopped. <laughs> and an old veteran pastor in there said, can we start by adoring his name first? And it's a rule I remember all the time when I start to pray unless I'm crying out. I start with, man, God, you are amazing. It's a great way, Jesus said, to start. Start every prayer with focus on the holy God. Adore him, carry his name with the utmost high. Okay, third commandment. Let's get to the fourth. Fourth commandment is also about how we carry God. So let's go to Deuteronomy, back to chapter five, now in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but that seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. That includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, other livestock, any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong arm. Strong hand, powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Isn't it amazing how much it writes for one commandment? And we always pay attention when there's depth. The commandment is one day a week set aside. Let's don't get legalistic here. I know people work on Sunday. You have one day a week. It's neat when it's on the day that Christ riz, rose from the grave. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. That's why we start the day together in corporate worship. One day, don't work, stop, stop. We just talked about Sabbath not that long ago. Um, but he reminds them, you once were slaves. When you're in Egypt, you work seven days, no break. Don't be slaves to work. Not only you, but everybody you're responsible for, your household, your, your animals, your servants, stop. Now I go back to that chart, and I would imagine amongst us that this is probably the commandment we violate the most. And I bet a lot of us have plans today that aren't involved in rest. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to say this is the one I know, and it's the one I fight the most too almost dying up here on a stage is not restful. <laughs> I have to choose another day because this day's so big that I can slow down and be with him. Is this really a big deal? Come on, Brian, is this really a big deal? This is commandment so much more than taking a nap. The fourth law, your fifth sermon note, honor God in our rest. We carry him in how we rest. 
By resting, we honor God. It's about several things. It's about likeness. It's about how we are like. We are holy like the holy God. God rested on the seventh day when he created everything. He blessed it, and he said on the seventh day, he made it holy. We honor his holiness by being holy like him. We act like God today. We're with him in a time of holiness. God set the pattern, so we're to follow. And when we do, when we do, when we do Sabbath right, we reflect the glory of God in each of us. But when we neglect it, we exchange the glory of God for something that's less. So many of these commandments is where we reject something glorious for something less. But it's not only about likeness, it's about the lordship of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 12 said, I am the son of man, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus exercises his right and his authority over this day for his redemptive purposes. To neglect the Sabbath day is to neglect the lordship of Jesus. It's about our bodies. In our bodies, we are temples that God dwells in. No more ark, no more temple. He dwells in us. We are the temple. We want to take care of the temple. If we work seven days a week nonstop, we can't take care of the temple. We wear it out. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it reminds us, don't you realize that all of you together, the church, you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God lives in you, for the God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. It's about honoring and taking care of where he dwells, but the last thing is about Freedom. The Sabbath rest is about freedom. To neglect the Lord's day is to fall back. To go back and work and bust our butts is going right back into that sinful slave bondage. That's why he says, you guys came out of this. Don't go back. And when we neglect the Lord's day, we act inconsistently with who we are in Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we carry God's presence in how we rest, and it's very noticeable to those who do not know God. How we rest is very visible and very important to those who can't find rest. Now, I, I want to take a shot at one thing. There's, I think there's, a, why, just to say, instead of saying, stop working, we're in America. We're the achieving culture. We work hard here. So I just can't tell you stop. I, I want to reflect on one thing is why I think we work hard. I think this is a common reason why we work so hard and we don't stop. It's your sixth ser- sermon note here. We overwork because of the emptiness in our lives. Now, this can't be put in every case, but this is in most, from what I see, even in myself. For many people, work is a way to try and fill the emptiness in their lives. They try to find their esteem in how they work. They're trying to make ends meet. We are to carry the presence of God in us, and through the Holy Spirit, His role is to fill us with God's presence. When I am not filled with God's presence, when I don't let the Holy Spirit have every aspect of my life, I have these empty parts, and I go out and look for something to fill the empty. And a lot of times it's work. And I believe my stature, my prominence, the money I raise, maybe it's something I want to buy, maybe it's this next house, whatever it is. Some of us, I understand, work just to barely make things meet. But in this aspect, we have to trust God for that one day. We have to trust Him. But if I'm working so hard to fill emptiness, 
I'm missing out that I am the temple and I can foil, I can feel with his presence of the Holy Spirit. And that takes away that non-satisfying garbage. We all know this. You'll go out and work really hard. You'll get that thing in a month. That thing will not be fun anymore and I'll be unsatisfied and I go after the next thing. The third and fourth commandments are about how we carry God in our conversation, in our rest. They're specifically about how we honor God. The first four commandments are about how we honor God. But these commandments, we cannot miss this mark, are more than just something for us. So let's look at our last sermon note together. The mission of the church is to shine through the Ten Commandments. This church has a mission, just like the Israelites did coming out of the desert and going to Israel, and that is to let the whole world know who the Lord is. When we walk out these doors today, we're going to encounter a lot of people using empty words and trying to fill an empty life through work. And we have in us something different. We have something that they're very interested in. We have the answer to their needs. It's in, found in each one of us, the church. It's not found in this building, for we are the church. As a church, how we carry God is our mission. It's how he draws others to him. He does it through us. Matthew 5.13, this verse is commonly used. You're, many of you are going to be familiar with it. Some not. You are the salt of the earth. You give it flavor. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds in the same way, let how we follow the Ten Commandments shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise. Everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. That is the mission of the church, that everyone will praise His name. They will discover the joy and the love that each one of us have, the joy and freedom that we found in the Ten Commandments and living like His people, holy. Are the Ten Commandments important as they were 3,500 years ago? You're darn tootin'. They are still important. <laughs> There's important today as the day that God handed them down to Moses. How we live shines out for all to see. How we live the Ten Commandments reflects God, honors him, and points others to him. Ladies and gentlemen, today is a holy day. The very ground you stand on is holy ground because you are the temple of God. God's presence is in the Ark of the Covenant and so are his Ten Commandments but that Ark is you and I and us. We carry both. Since he is holy, let the church rise and be holy too. We're gonna sing that song, Let the Church Rise and that is a command for us to go out, love the world as we've been loved. Let us leave here holier today than when we walked in. Let us leave today carrying the very presence of God in our speech and how we sleep the rest of the day and spend time with him. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Offering is a time of worship. I want to invite our worship team to join me here again.
And actually, I'm gonna move down here and kind of get out of their way a little bit. Offering is, is a, it's a movement. Offering is a movement from what we see in God's word to how we act. Offering is our first motion back towards him. Offering is a holy time of worship together. We offer, our offering is, when we look at those two commandments, which one do I need to change in my life? That's my first offering is, God, how can you change my heart today to carry you better? We offer our financial gifts. It's summer. Please be consistent giving through the summer. We have a lot of people traveling. We're a traveling community. If you want to give online, that helps us keep the mission of the church going consistently. There are boxes at the back of the church where you can drop. If you have a check or cash, you drop it there. But the mission of the church to shine has a fuel expense too. To our guests, if you're new with us, we'd love you to take that connect card like Emma talked about. We'd love you to go out to our welcome center out here or or drop it off in the box here, but we would love to connect with you. If you're looking for a church home, we would love you to be here. We want you to be right where God wants you, but we want to take steps. We'll email you and see how we can help you in your search. But we're really glad you're here with us today. There's another part of our offering that I want to do that I think is pretty special, and that is that um, at least two, three times a year, we have a lot of our soldiers who are part of our family deploy. And I don't know if you know, but they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant from this church to around the world. So I'm going to invite Blake and Rebecca up here to join us. Our soldiers are an offering of a church. It's a sacrifice of our family to take the very presence of God in them to Europe for nine months. Now, Blake and Rebecca have been with us for about a year, maybe. And they've just been so plugged in. They've been part of our worship team. They've been, they've been amazing. They're both armor I don't know if anybody shouts out here. Is there, is there anybody else, just in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do this again in July, but is there anybody else deploying in the next couple of weeks that I do not want to miss? If you're deploying, we'd love you to come up and pray with you and pray on you and offer you. Okay. Um, what's interesting, their husband and wife, both in armor division, they're going to be a fond four hours apart at two different posts in Europe. So... Um, they're sacrificing from each other too but ladies and gentlemen they carry the ark the presence of the church the presence of God the presence of us all the way to Europe and so we want to pray for them and offer them up too I want you to write their names down pray for them during the week think of all of our soldiers currently who are deployed who is our church operating in a different part of the world they are missionaries for us all of this is our offering today would you bow your heads with me Heavenly Father Lord thank you for your word Thank you for these Ten Commandments. Man, they they shouldn't lose any steam. They're so important today. But Father, our first offering is what do we need to change in ourselves about the third and the fourth commandment? How we speak about you, how we rest and show others you. Father, this church wants to shine more and more. Every day, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, how big you are, how holy your name is, but that holy name and presence is in us. We carry the God of the universe in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, this church can make a huge difference this week in a world that screams, rages, takes your name in vain, doesn't know how to rest, and they're looking for the hope that's in each one of the people in here. Our offering today is that we're a bold church and we share. Our offering is what we give today, Father. You gave us the best gift ever, and that was through your son, Jesus. Let us give joyfully today to try and just somewhat bring to you the best thing that we've got, whether that's our time, our treasure, our talents. And Father, the couples, we hold them up to you and all of our soldiers deploying. 
They are the Ark of the Covenant. They are the presence of God leaving this place but carrying the name of your body of Christ all the way to Europe for nine months, a sacrifice, an offering. Father, we commit to praying for them as a church. Keep them safe. Let them shine brightly. It's so cool this church can shine brightly all around the world as it always does. Bring them home safe too. Let them shine bright. Father, this church lifts ourselves up. We are the sacrifice walking out these doors to bring hope to the world. Let us shine as a church. Let us rise. We pray all this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Make sure you love on these guys before you leave today.